Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Hey, that's worth clapping about, amen? Isn't that exciting? Praise the Lord. Wow. Man, I love this pulpit. Is this new? Wow. Man, I must have forgot how nice it was. This is awesome. Well, it's good to see everyone here today. What a, an awesome crowd. It's so good to be back together uh, in, in an auditorium. And what a blessing it is to see everyone here today. Thank you for the worship, the music. And thank you, Pastor, for the invitation over these past several years and I'm just honored to be here. I, I enjoyed the fifth Sunday, but I, I definitely have enjoyed the camp even more. Just being with the kids and getting to speak to young people is one of the joys of my life. I have five children uh, myself, and uh, so I've been blessed to be able to rear, rear some young people and some teenagers and still kind of have a connection with them. And we have a Christian school and a college at our ministry as well. So being around teens and, and young adults is a normal thing for me. So I, I love it. And I'm always honored to be able to, to be with them. My lovely bride is with me today of 34 years, almost 34 years. So would you stand, honey, for a second? Little stand and a little sit. Good. All right. That was so petite, you know, beautiful. Great job. She is a blessing. Thank you, pastor, for letting, I mean, for, for allowing her to come because I asked and he said, sure. So Thank you. It's been great having her with me. I'm always, I feel like more effective when I've got my best cheerleader with me. So uh, she's an amazing lady and I'm just so grateful. We've been at the same church for 30 years, married for 34, pastoring the same church for 30. So we've, we've pretty much been, you know, uh, consistent with those things. It's been nice to plant some roots and and do it with, uh, with her and, and the family. So I want to jump right in. You know, I've had the privilege over the last several years, and if, you've, if this is the first time that we're meeting today in, in this kind of a setting, and uh, I, I want to share something with you, and if this is uh, maybe the second or third or fourth time that you've heard me speak here at the church, I, you may already know this, but for the last several years, God has allowed me to have contact with your young people through Teen Revolution, through Fort Bluff Camp, and now through a winter camp. And so for several years, I, I was trying to think, I think it's seven or eight years in summer times or in, a, in the winter time, I've been connected to your children. And it's been amazing. You're just getting to know them. Some of them now I have seen grow up. I mean, you know, seven years is a long time. Going back uh, to, to, I think that would have been Teen Revolution and then Fort Bluff the last few years and then now winter camp. And so I'm meeting some of them and thinking, man, you know, it, I remember when you were, you know, even your son, you know, when he was a te- just a teenager. And so I know that's not a long, long time, but it's long enough time for me to be able to say confidently to you that I love your kids and I love your church. And I know one of the greatest gifts that we've ever been given is our children. And we're in a series of messages at Gospel Light over this year on prayer. Uh, the theme of our year 2022 is the year of prayer. And what could compare to the opportunity we have to pray. The greatest tool given to man from God is prayer. It's the most powerful tool. It's the most effective tool. And so what I want to talk to you for a few minutes today, and and, and largely because of the fact that we've just left winter camp. Our kids, as you can see, are on a high. There's a, a lot of emotion at camp. 
there's a lot of enthusiasm at camp. There's a disconnect sometimes from the world. And we get a focus on, you know, our friends, our church, our, our, our Savior. And there's a lot of decisions being made. But now things kind of get back to normal, right? School starts. Things are back to normal. And there's a tendency sometimes just to kind of live your spiritual life from camp to conference to camp to conference. And what I want to encourage you today is to understand that what God did this weekend and what God has been doing in the lives of young people through the opportunities that this church affords them to be involved in things like this is amazing, but it requires you and I to understand even in a more intense way the power and the effectiveness of praying for our children. For you, it might be your grandchildren. Guess what? I have five children and six grandchildren. I don't even look like a papa, but I am a papa. I'm a papa to Laney. I'm a papa to MJ. I'm a papa to Juliet. I'm a papa to Kimber Joe. I'm a papa to KJ. And I'm a papa to Bentley. And then five children, 11 kids that I've wrapped my life around. And my prayer life largely consists, seriously, of praying for them. This morning, the majority of my prayer time was for, for those 11 people. I mean, they have become such an important part of my life. I realize that I have less life in front of me. I mean, just maybe 20, 30 years. And, and if I'm blessed to live longer than that, that'd be amazing. The Lord may come back before then. But I look at them and see their whole lives in front of them. And so I'm, I'm even more uh, compelled to, to understand how can I scripturally pray for my children? Now, I believe this message is for everybody because I, I'm sure that even if you're single, you have a brother or a sister or maybe someone even just in your neighborhood that you're mentoring. All of us in some way or another are connected to a child. Let me tell you my story. I was raised in a single parent home. I'm born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I can say it like it's supposed to be said, New Orleans. And so raised in New Orleans in a single parent home, and my parents were Catholic and later both of them came to know the Lord at different times, but I, I didn't have a father in the home. And so it was difficult for me at times to, you know, I didn't have anybody in the stands to cheer for me at the games. And I, I just didn't have that figure in my life until a man by the name of John True. He walked up to me as a 13-year-old lad and he said, Eric, he said, I noticed that, you know, you're always sitting kind of by yourself at church. My mom had to work a lot of late night shifts to just support our family. And my dad lived in New Orleans, 500 miles away where my mom had moved. And so, yeah, I went, I sat by myself a lot. I, I had nobody in the stands, you know, at games like every, like a lot of the other kids did. And so he noticed that. And he came to me at the age of 13 and John said, he said, Eric, he said, I, I know you have a dad and I don't want to take his place. And I, I don't know much about your situation, but I want to ask you something. Would it be okay with you? If I just adopted you as my son, would, would it be okay with you if I go to your games and every time you hit a shot, I just say, that's my boy? He said, would it be okay with you if, if I pray for you every day? I'll never forget that. My answer as a 13-year-old boy was, yes, thank you. John True is still in my life. He's coming to see me, I think, in a couple of weeks. He's in his 70s now, and he's a much older man. But, but John invested in me. John said, you know, I don't have any children of my own, but I'm going to find somebody, and I'm going to adopt that son, that daughter, and I'm going to pray for them. Maybe that's you today. Maybe God would lay someone on your heart, and, and you would adopt them to pray for them. I believe we can all benefit from this message. So quickly, Luke chapter 1. 
Luke chapter 1. The text comes from Luke. The parents are Zechariah and Elizabeth. The child is John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of the ministry of Jesus Christ himself, who the Bible says was to point the way to the coming Messiah. And so let's pick up the reading in Luke chapter 1, verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Now I want to say this quickly by way of introduction as we examine this passage of Scripture today, that I understand contextually that we have to be careful in applying narrative portions of the Bible, narrative portions of the gospel to our lives. We never want to assume that what was meant for a particular person in Scripture or to a particular person's in Scripture is meant for us. However, I believe in this story that the angel's blessing that he told Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, as that son was in her womb, was ultimately, although he pronounced a blessing, the angel did, it was a prayer. The blessing is really synonymous with prayer. So what I'm asking you to do today is join me in connecting this blessing to prayer and may it become a basis for some scriptural principles of how we can pray for our children. We're not assuming our kids are going to be John the Baptist. That's not the point of the message. Our, our children, our grandchildren, those that we invest in are uniquely created by God with a purpose that would need to be fulfilled were they to reach their full potential. We're just simply examining a prayer of blessing that we can make personally ours and or for the children that we love. I was reading a commentary on this very passage as I was studying it a few weeks ago to preach it at, the home church, at my home church, Gospel Light. And the commentary said this, as parents, when we see the sonogram and we see those hands and those little feet and those toes, we breathe a sigh of relief. Wow, that's, that's the baby. I can see it. It's moving. It's real. It's alive. It's, it's in the womb. And, and it's an amazing moment for so many that have experienced that, that have had children. Then the commentary writer went on to say, what would we give for a few guarantees on that sonogram about that child's character. Wow. What would we give to just know something about their character? Now, I realize there's no guarantees here. And I realize that even this message does not produce guarantees. But here is a prayer. A prayer that you and I can pray. A list that you and I can make for our children. So let me quickly give you five elements to make personal to you as you pray for your children. Number one, notice in the text, and let me say it first, pray for our children to bring joy always with their lives. The first thing in this blessing is the relationship between John's birth and thanksgiving. Notice it in verse 14. And thou shalt have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth. 
What a, what a, what a statement. And here in this passage, and it's, by the way, isn't it easy for us to have joy for our children when they're born? It really is. I mean, I, we, we've had several children born into our church in the last several weeks, and it is amazing. I mean, these, these children are, you, hey, would you not agree with me? You cannot spoil your child in the first year of his life. I mean, I know there comes a time you can spoil him, but I mean, we just had a brand new grandbaby, Kimber Joe, and we just spoil her to death. I mean, she's just a few months old. We don't mind picking her up every time she makes a squeak. You know, we're going to be there for her. And, and we just love that little bundle of joy. She's just a small baby, and I thought about Matthias, Josiah, Ezekiel, Chloe, Glorianne for us, and how much joy when they were born they brought to our lives. Psalm chapter 127 in verse number 3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who has his quiver full of them. I mean, that... that Text speaks of joy and gladness and excitement, and, and that's the way it is with little children. They're a gift from God, and we should always pray that they would bring joys always. But isn't it easier when they're young? Then they grow up, and they become teenagers, and they become young adults, and sometimes the joy leaves, and the stress and the worry, and even sometimes, if we're not careful, the fear begins to set in. And I'm reminded of a passage in 3 John chapter, or rather, uh, 3 John chapter 3, verse 4, where John said, not John the Baptist, but the Apostle John, who wrote John in 1st and 2nd and 3rd John in Revelation, he said, I have no greater joy than that my children walk in truth. Amen. No greater joy, not just when they're born, not just when they're a little baby, but as they grow older into high school and young adults and into parenthood, that my children would walk in truth because there are no guarantees. Would you not agree with me that we should pray that our children would bring joy to our lives? that they would walk in truth because truth is connected to joy. And when our children are walking in truth for the days of their lives, it brings joy just like it does when they're born. And so may we pray that our children, you know, they brought a lot of joy to me this week. We had a blast. There was joy in that building. There was a little dancing in that building. I say that you know, tongue in cheek. I mean, we, we had a little song we sang where we turned around while we sang it. I mean, it was fun and it was joyous. And I had great conversations, but here's my prayer as I leave this place for you and your kids. Oh, God, may those children bring joy for the rest of their lives. Number two, pray for our children to be great for God. Did you know you can pray that? That's a good prayer. God, help my children to be mighty for God. Look at the text. It says in verse 15, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Great in God's eyes, great in God's sight, a mighty warrior for God. In fact, that's what Jesus said of John the Baptist in Luke chapter number 7 in verse number 28. He said, there has been none born that is greater than John the Baptist. Question, what do you think when you think of the word great? I know sometimes I, I tend to think of things because, you know, my, my sons were all athletes. My son, uh, my oldest, my youngest son, Ezekiel, is playing 
uh, in the championship games at Champion Christian College. He starts on our college team. He's a great athlete, and I'm so proud of him. And I'm going to go to all of his games next week and the next week. I'm going to be gone a lot. My wife knows this, and she's going to try to come up to some of the games as well in Joplin, Missouri. And I wouldn't miss it for the world because I want my son to do great on that basketball court, right? So sometimes we think of greatness as a great athlete or maybe a great musician. Or maybe I want my kid to be a great doctor. I want my child to be maybe a great actor or a great scholar. Or we might even spiritualize it, right? Let's spiritualize it for a moment and say, wouldn't it be great if he was a great preacher? But John's greatness is not found in the choice of his vocation, but that in he, he learned to carry out the will of God for his life faithfully. And that's greatness. What does it mean to be great in the sight of the Lord? To be great in the sight of the Lord is to find one's purpose in life and fulfill it. Whatever that purpose is. It may be that they're a plumber or an electrician or a contractor or a doctor or a lawyer or a preacher. But whatever their purpose is, may they find it and fulfill it. May that be our prayer. I remember when I was young, I had a dream to be an NBA basketball coach. That was my dream. And I was determined that my, 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 if you will, my idol, and that's a bad word, but as a kid, sometimes we struggle with those things, was Pat Riley. He coached the Los Angeles Lakers. And man, I just thought he was the coolest guy ever, you know. And I wanted to be just like Pat Riley. And I wanted to coach a, a high school team, then a college team, then an NBA team. I mean, just dreams as a kid, right? And then all of a sudden, at age 15, God called me to preach. It was shocking. It was shocking to my family. It was, it was shocking to me. But I was going to church. I was by myself on a Wednesday night, like I often went to church by myself. My mom dropped me off. She went to, to the hospital. She was an RN at a local hospital. And so I'm sitting there by myself under conviction about my future. And I surrendered my life to preach the glorious gospel at age 15, which I'm still preaching today. When I called many of my family members and they found out, especially those in New Orleans, that I had gotten away from my dream of being in professional sports and making money and being, you know, famous, they were disappointed. And they weren't excited about my calling. I went home and told my, my mom, again, single parent. I said, Mom, I'm, I'm confused. I, why isn't my family back home excited about what God's called me to do. And she said, son, she said, not everybody's going to be excited, but I want you to know this is an answer to prayer to your mother. You know, when you got saved at age 13, I went to the altar every time I was at church and I prayed one prayer over you and your brother Brett, who, by the way, my brother Brett's a pastor in Las Vegas. Pastor's a mega church there, Southern Baptist Church. He's an amazing young man. That's all I've got. So me and my brother were both pastors, raised in a divorced home by a single-parent mom who got on her knees at age 13 and told me after I was so disappointed that people weren't excited about what God had called me to do. She said, son, when you were 13, I gave you to God. I said, Lord, whatever it ha you have for him, I I'm going to be excited about it. I'm going to be thankful for it. I want you to know, God, I just want him to do your will. Son, this is an answer to prayer. Oh, may our children be an answer to our prayer that they would be great in the sight of the Lord. Whatever it is, if I would have become a basketball coach, may I be a great basketball coach and a great witness on that court and a testimony for God if I would have been that. Amen. Great in the sight of the Lord. Number three, may we pray for our children to steer clear of the temptations of the world. Look at the text. 
It says, and he shall be, uh, excuse me, and he shall drink neither wine or strong drink. Now, just for a moment, I know that this was part of a Nazarite vow that would have included this. I get that. I understand that. And I'm not disputing that. That's why I said in the beginning of my message, we, we have to be careful as pastors and preachers and teachers of God's word in these narrative portions of the gospels. But can I suggest this for just a moment, if you'll think about that phrase, that he'll not drink wine or strong drink. Could you connect with me for just a moment to steer clear from the temptations of the world? I realize as a pastor, and I'm sure your pastor would agree with me, we kind of bring a bias against alcohol to the pulpit. I mean, just personally. I, I, I'm not here to, to take any position in another man's pulpit, but I will tell you this. I, I, as a pastor, what I have seen, what I have experienced, what I've seen young people, young adults, and people carry into their adulthood addictions and things of that, I, I see this as something that must be mentioned today more as we preach about temptation, that our kids would steer clear away from these kinds of temptations and I make no apologies that I come with a bias today against that. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 13, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why would we pray that and then walk right in the middle of it? And I think we could also mention other things in our culture today that are coming against our kids. That even from our, the, the, a mother's womb, we should pray that our kids would steer away from drugs and pornography, and gambling, and sexual immorality. All these things that Satan is using to tempt our kids. There's so many things that Satan uses to bring our children into his grip. And if you and I would spend time on our knees before God, just so God steer my kids away from the temptations of the world. I think this is... Potentially why the angel pronounced this blessing and mentioned wine and strong drink. Next, pray for our children to be saved and to be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? Look at it, the text. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. Amen? How good is that? You know, and our theology would tell us that salvation is synonymous with the Holy Spirit coming into your life. Our theology would teach us that. So in this story, though, they're mentioning filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no way to be filled with the Spirit and not be saved. And so we pray that our kids, and by the way, the greatest prayer that you will ever pray and the greatest answer to prayer that you will ever have is for your children and grandchildren to be saved. That is by far the greatest prayer you'll ever pray and the greatest answer to prayer you'll ever have. And, you know, if you don't believe that, then you don't understand something very important, that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. Those are real places. And people that die without Christ go to hell and spend an eternity there. And people that die with Christ and putting their faith in Christ spend an eternity in heaven. This is clear in Scripture. Oh, two weeks ago, I had my secretary send me this last night about midnight. I texted our study and I said... If you have this testimony, send it to me so I can read it in the morning to my friends at Monclova. And so she did. Oh, we had a celebration. I had led this little girl to Christ. Her parents called me up. They were so excited. She's nine years old. They said, preacher, come over to the house. I think Geneva wants to be saved. Oh, I rushed over there on a Saturday morning. I nestled into their living room out in the woods of Arkansas and a creek in the backyard. It was so good, good. And we just sat there and talked about Jesus and 
Geneva bowed her head and trusted Christ. Here's her testimony. My name is Geneva Graham. I'm nine years old, and I'm in the third grade at Lake Hamilton Elementary School. My family has been a member of Gospel Light for three years. My parents are Josh and Heather, and my brothers are Kyron and Briar. This is from her. I love them very much. I was born in Colorado, but when I was three, we moved to Idaho. It was in Idaho that I began to learn about Jesus. My mom told me that I was a little prayer warrior, and I still love to pray. I began memorizing scripture and singing songs at an early age. When I was four years old, we had a family friend named Mrs. Sue. She was my adopted grandmother, but she had cancer and was very, very sick and passed away. But when she died, we were so sad, but I remember telling my family, it's okay, she's in a better place. I'm so thankful that I know that I'll be there too. When I was six years old, we moved to Hot Springs, Arkansas and joined Gospel Light. The Lord has been doing so much in my life. So many people have had a part in this decision today. Mr. Joe Capace, who teaches the kids at Gospel Light. Mrs. Sarah Corder, who is my teacher on Wednesday night. My preacher, who gives messages on Sunday. And my parents, who have taught me so much about Jesus. Listening to Caleb and the incredible songs about God's love have helped me so much as well. I've set some goals for 2022. One of those was to read a page of the Bible every day, and the other was to be baptized. So I'm thankful that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I know that he loves me so much and that he died for me and he rose from the dead and I can live forever with him. And one thing she said I want everyone to know is Jesus loves you. That's a nine-year-old girl. I mean, that's what it's all about. And you know what happened after she got saved? We had a celebration in that living room. You'd have thought it was a party. We were shouting and crying and hugging. I mean, it was awesome. And then they brought all their family to church. They all sat up front for the baptism. And when we baptized her, she got a standing ovation. Why? I can think of nothing greater to give a standing ovation for than when a child comes to Jesus. This is what we pray for. This is the joy that God gives us when our children and grandchildren and children in the church and children across the street and little 13-year-old kids that are adopted by the people in the church as their children are saved. Wow. The greatest prayer and the greatest answer to prayer. Number five, and I'll be done. Pray for our children to be used by God to point others to him. Look at verse 16. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He's in the womb. And the angel pronounces this blessing synonymous with prayer. And while he's in the womb, the angel says, Many shall be turned to righteousness. Oh, I can think of nothing greater that we would pray for our children, not necessarily to be a preacher, not necessarily to be a pastor, not necessarily to be a, a missionary, although those things are fine. But why not just pray for our kids to be the kind of a person who walks with God and points others to him? That's it. Just walks with God and points others to him. I told this at camp, but uh, two weeks ago, my daughter has been praying for a friend of hers named Kelly who goes to champion and Kelly's lost. And my, my daughter's been praying for Kelly and so burdened for Kelly. And two weeks ago at the single adult meeting, Kelly was curious about Jesus, started asking questions. My daughter got so excited, she called us. Can Kelly come over tonight and sleep? We said, sure, honey. So we pray with our daughter every night. We have this Monday through Friday, actually. She comes to our room and we go to her room. And we don't do it Saturday and Sunday because we focus, you know, we, we, we try to, sometimes it's hard to do things seven days a week. You can be more consistent if you do it, you know, five days a week, just the way we've done it. So we pray with her every Monday through Friday extensively in our room or her room. And so she came to the bedroom because Kelly was there. and It was a Friday night and she thought, I got to go pray with my parents, but I don't leave Kelly here. So she came to the red room. She goes, Mom, Dad, can Kelly, can Kelly come to my prayer time? It's so cute. She's 20 years old. 
And she's like doing it like that. Seriously, can Kelly come to the prayer time? We're like, sure. So Kelly comes to the prayer time. She sits on our floor in our, in our little bedroom. And uh, I'm laying with my special needs daughter who sleeps in our room because, you know, she, she does things that you can't leave her alone with. So we're, we're sitting there. Gloria had just fell, fallen asleep. And we're sitting on that. And she just starts asking questions. I just, I just want what you guys have. I mean, I, 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 I've only been to church seven times in my life. I, I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't know. I'm just learning who he is and what he's done. And I can see how he's changed your life. And you guys are different. You, you talk different. You, you act different. I mean, you've told me three or four times tonight that I'm special. I've never been told I'm special. And Kelly got saved. What am I saying? I'm telling you, I told my daughter, honey, this is what we prayed for, that you would point others to Jesus. And this, my friends, is what the joy that comes when we raise children who love the truth. In closing, don't miss verse 6, Luke 1. And they were both righteous. Think about this. Now, this is Zachariah and Elizabeth before the angel's blessing. The parents were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. I think we learn this from that. To pray is one thing, but to lead by example is quite the other. Let's take a moment as we close the service and examine ourselves. Let's take a moment and think about the example we're giving to our children and grandchildren and other children around us in our neighborhood at church. And then let me close and take a moment just to pray for those of you who have a child maybe away from God. I realize this can be a tough message if you're in that situation because you wonder, is there any hope? Is there any hope? I mean, I, I've got a child, a grandchild, and I'm praying, and it just seems like that, that, you know, even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. But sometimes I don't feel that God's working. I don't see that God's working. Let me encourage you with one of the most heartwarming examples I can think of, of a time of restoration. It was Billy Graham's son, Franklin. Anybody familiar with Franklin Graham? Franklin Graham was a rebel. I've got his book on his testimony. It's really an incredible book. I encourage you to read his biography. Franklin Graham was far away from God. I mean, the great Ruth and Billy Graham, tremendous saints of God. I've read all about Billy and his, 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 his history with, I mean, he's almost a modern-day apostle Paul. Died at age 100 just a, a few years ago. Well, his son was a rebel. Ruth Graham said that one night while praying for her, here's what Ruth Graham called her son. She called him her little lost lamb. Sweet. As Ruth called her son Franklin, she slipped to her knees to once again commit him to the Lord for, for, to, you know, to get right. She realized as she was doing that, that she must first commit what was left of her to the Lord. She did that. And then she sought God's response. Ruth Graham said, God impressed upon me as she prayed that prayer. You take care of the possible, Ruth. And let me take care of the impossible. She didn't tell anybody that for years until the day that Franklin Graham was ordained to be a gospel preacher. Samaritan's Purse, disaster relief, great evangelists all over the world. She stood to speak at his ordination. She shared the story that I just shared with you. And she closed with these words in tears. Today, you are seeing the impossible. Wow. I wanted to share that with you because God's in the business of answering our prayers. Even when we don't see it, he's working. And even when we don't feel it, he's working.
there is hope. We began the message by saying, we, what will we give for a few guarantees about our children's character? Where there's no guarantees, but there are four things that we can do. We can recommit ourselves to God, like Ruth did. It's good advice. My wife and I do that all the time. I mean, we do. We just, we, we find areas in our lives that just have gotten lax. I mean, we find things in our marriage that aren't as strong as they once were. So it's just like going back and committing yourself anew to the Lord. It's a good thing to do in any area of your life, but especially when it comes to parenting and grandparenting. Number two, we can pray for our children with a new, fresh prayer list, maybe even using these prayer requests. We can pray with our children. That's cool, right? Pray for them, pray with them, and then finally, lead by example. Lead by example. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.